0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know, Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than thirty years, and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life. American General, and Pacific Life & Annuity. Now, join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen.
1: Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates New England Operations, and we're glad you can join us once again today. Ringler Radio, as you know, focuses on information about the settlement industry through a series of interviews with high-profile industry experts, attorneys, and other guests. And you can find all the Ringler Radio shows on our website at ringlerassociates.com, or the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. Well, today we're going to talk about a very interesting topic, how to integrate structured settlements with special needs trusts. In those cases, when you need a special needs trust to protect the ongoing receipt of Medicaid and other asset-sensitive governmental benefits. And we have two people on the show today who know an awful lot about this. First, I'd like to introduce my Ringler colleague, Jerry Greger. Jerry is an associate in our South Florida office in in uh, Fort Lauderdale in Miami. That's right, Jerry, isn't it? You have two offices down there. Well, actually, we're in Weston. Oh, you're in Weston? Yep. All right, so they uh, they tried to class it up a bit with Fort Lauderdale, Miami, I see. <laughs> and uh, before joining Ringler in 1987, uh, Jerry was a settlement annuity specialist at English and & Associates, and prior to that he was a president of Design Settlements, Inc., a structured settlement firm which uh, he established in Fort Lauderdale back in 1980. Well, Jerry, thanks for being on the show today.
2: Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this, uh, to be uh, enjoyable and educational at the same time.
1: Well, it's it's great to, to have you on the show with us. So this is the first time you've been on, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is.
1: Well, great. Welcome. And we'd also like to welcome Attorney Roger Bernstein of the Bernstein Law Office in Coral Gables in Key West, Florida, concentrating in the areas of personal injury settlements and for aging, illness, and incapacity planning. A substantial part of Attorney Bernstein's practice consists of trust planning for tort settlements for disabled clients of all ages. He's a frequent lecturer on subjects relating to planning for aging, illness, and incapacity. In fact, as Jerry points out, Roger is the go-to guy on special needs trusts on a national level. He's an advocate and an expert on our topic. And Roger, welcome to Ring Radio.
3: Larry, it's a pleasure to be part of this.
1: Well, let's get started with some of the basics uh, here. A special needs trust is designed essentially to financially protect a person with a disability. And in our discussion today, we're going to be talking about structured settlements as they relate to special needs trust. So, Jerry, why don't you give us an example, some kind of a real-life case that uh, helps explain this whole issue?
2: Well, I'm going to do more than that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, talk about a case that Roger came to me about a good 15 years ago or maybe more. The case had already been settled in fact. Uh, it had been, been settled at part in cash and part in an annuity. Mm-hmm. But the, the claimant had um, run out of um, uh, eligibility I do believe. Roger, you can correct me on all these um, introductory statements here, but uh, it was a case that it had to have a requalification or be, requ- or be qualified for Medicaid in order to maintain uh, some sort of uh, care for this person. And the, and the case had to be pulled out of the file and the annuity had to be redirected into a special needs trust. And this is where my experience began with Roger and and and, and he was on the cutting edge of this concept. And at that point, Roger, I'm going to let you take over and you can talk about the case a little bit here because it really sticks out in my mind as uh, the, the first that was done down in this area.
3: I think it was, Jerry. And what happened was, i was actually contacted by the facility where this uh, adult child had been living uh, she should have been paid for by medicaid but she had in her guardianship a structure whose monthly uh, payment was more than the income limit for medicaid and that's a point to begin with right there mm-hmm. medicaid is a means tested program uh, Medicaid looks at your income, it looks at your resources, and if you're a child under 18 living at home, it looks at your parents' income and resources. If you're over that limit, then the planning gets uh, to be kind of creative. Uh, but in the, this case, the jury's talking about it was the income that made the girl ineligible, and as a result, the facility where she was staying had run up about a $100,000 bill uh by paying the difference between the structure and the actual cost of care. We went to the court, got a court order to um, establish a special needs trust and direct the life company to make the annuity payments payable to the trustee of the trust, and she then became eligible for Medicaid. The facility got paid by Medicaid, and the money that was coming into the structure was now available for other things that could help her life.
1: Hmm. Roger, what you, you mentioned this uh, means-tested uh, Medicaid uh, benefit. What kind of an income can an individual uh, earn and still be qualified for Medicaid?
3: It's a it's a grid-like calculation, Larry, mm-hmm. um, because it depends whether it's a child or an adult it depends how many people are living in the home and how many are on medicaid the highest case i'm working on now where someone is on medicaid there are lots of kids in the house and they're getting forty nine hundred dollars a month and they're still eligible for medicaid but i would say normally you're probably looking at somewhere in the seventeen fifty to twenty two hundred dollar a month range
1: hmm. that's not very much and uh... So when someone gets a settlement in a personal injury case, and uh, even if we structure it, uh, we've got to be very cognizant of not uh, disqualifying that individual for these, uh, these asset-sensitive benefits.
3: Exactly. A, a structure paying, let's say, $2,000 a month would almost certainly knock them off if it came to them directly or even to a guardianship for their benefit because a guardianship does not insulate the uh, payments from being deemed available for Medicaid.
2: Well, what what this really means is, if you're looking at a case that 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 can't settle without Medicaid, and you you have a marginal amount of money that's available to come uh, to, to to settle the case for various reasons, and between the special needs trust and what what the annuity can provide for means uh, for needs, then you can piece it together. That's that's how I look at
1: this. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, when you have a special needs trust, Roger, you have an independent uh, trustee that that's stands in in the place in that trust to which these payments are made is it is it right that 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 person cannot be a family member it has to be someone independent
3: there's no legal bar to there being a family member but practically speaking this is a very difficult trust to administer and you really should have an independent professional or a, a bank trust company that specializes in this to do mm-hmm. the job right
1: you know, it's interesting. I had a case once where uh, the, the funds that in the settlement themso- itself was, were very substantial, and the discussion took place about a special needs trust, even in light of the fact that the funds were substantial, and the deciding factor was that they were not going to do a special needs trust. They were going to give up their Medicaid uh, benefit because they didn't want to lose control uh, of, of the funds themselves. And I guess that that becomes a a part in those questionable cases where you you either have the control issue or the actual asset uh, problem and and the Medicaid, you know, shut off.
3: Well, it is, but there's another factor here, which is the cost of medical care that really ought to drive the analysis in most cases. Mm -hmm. Someone who is catastrophically injured is likely not to have health insurance and likely never to get health insurance after the injury. Mm -hmm. So, Perhaps the only source of a negotiated rate structure for them is Medicaid. In Florida, Medicaid enjoys about a 60 to 70% discount over the private pay rate for medical care, drugs, durable equipment, and so on. Someone who is in that system is getting a tremendous discount, akin to what someone would get with a health insurance policy. If you decide to go off Medicaid, it's not just that you're giving up the benefit, but more important, you're now paying at private pay rates, and that money is going to go pretty fast.
1: Hmm. You know, uh, Roger and Jerry, you know, we have a lot of different kinds of cases where special needs trusts have been uh, utilized, uh, and they run the gamut. But, you know, we have the injured children or a child uh, from the parents might set up uh, annuity payments that would flow into the trust. We have cases involving elderly individuals, sometimes in nursing homes where you need those kinds of uh, you know the the medical issues to be taken care of, and of course the whole issue of H-65 comes into play, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. And also, uh, you know, we have workers' comp cases where annuity payments go into special needs trusts for ongoing medical care. Jerry, what are some of the criteria that have to be met in cases like the ones I just described uh, for these special needs trusts to really to really work?
2: Well, before we get into that, Roger, do you want to you want to uh, talk about uh, the 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 elders? And and the workers' comp cases involving special needs trusts, that was the pooled trust for the elders.
3: Well, there are two types of trusts that we basically use. One is called the A Trust and the other is called the C Trust. The A Trust has to be for a person who is under 65 at the time the trust is established. Uh, That works for most cases that we would normally see. But in the case of, for example, a nursing home um, abuse case, It's very likely that the person is over 65 before the case even starts. And for that type of uh, case, we would use the C-Trust, which is also known as a pooled trust. Uh, Most states have at least one pool trust established by a nonprofit organization, and that trust then becomes the recipient of the cash and the structure in the case of an injured person over 65.
1: Well, you know, it's very interesting you should bring that up. We get emails here from time to time, and there was an email from a lawyer in New Jersey that mentioned uh, a case that they had, where the claimant had just reached age sixty-five about six months prior to the settlement of the of his case, and uh, had a big they had a big problem uh, trying to deal with the special needs trust because of the age sixty-five issue. Uh, are you aware of anything like in New Jersey, for example, where a pool trust, this this, this you know trust C you mentioned uh, would would
0: work?
3: There are pool trusts in New Jersey, uh, and there are in most other states, and a pool trust in one state can, in fact, administer funds in another state, so that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, just let me explain the Medicaid payback, because it's an important point. In order to do a special needs trust, uh, you're making an agreement with Medicaid that as the quid pro quo for allowing the injured person to remain on Medicaid, even though they're receiving a significant settlement. uh and to stay in the Medicaid negotiated rate system, you agree that upon the death of the person, Medicaid's lien gets paid back uh, from what is in the trust first. If there's anything left, it can then go on to be inherited.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: That's the A trust. In the C trust, the money doesn't go to Medicaid. It goes to the charity that's running the trust.
1: I see. Well, you know, Jerry, we talked about... uh, these government programs, these SSI, Medicaid-type programs, they're important for uh, people with disabilities. But there are restrictions, as we said, on the income levels, right, for people who can qualify for this. And uh, as we know, these structured settlement payments are designed to be tax-free. So there's an issue here as to whether payments from structured settlements are considered income and what effect, if any, do they have in terms of a plan of qualifying for government government programs. And, Jerry, why don't you talk about what Roger has been doing uh, with uh, the Social Security Administration to try to get some of those answers.
2: Well, uh, there had some, been some issues raised down here in, in the Florida uh, venue about uh, uh, special needs trust and, and structured settlements, and there had been some interpretation that uh, the, the annuity in the, in the structured settlement could be at some point in time collapsed and, 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 and paid to the recipients and then therefore interpreted as potential income. Hmm. And what effect, if any, does that have in terms of, to a plaintiff, qualifying for these uh, government programs? Roger, you have been actively working to get a clear reading from the government on this, and I'd like you to tell the story, including your letter uh, with questions posed to the Structured Settlement Administration and their recent answer. And I know you spent a lot of time getting this done, and we're really thankful that you got this this, this letter from the administration. So I'll let you take it from here about that letter.
3: The questions that had been raised had to do with the ability to fund a special needs trust with structure payments. And uh, there was a certain amount of confusion about whether Medicaid would uh, allow this to uh, be acceptable. And we got an informal guidance from Social Security, which really was making the decision on this. But I had to press them for an actual clear statement in the form of a letter. Uh, and that letter dated January 31, 2006 really answers the questions. And the first question is, can you fund a special needs trust, either an A trust or a C trust, with a structure? And the answer is yes, you can definitely do that. The structure has to be irrevocably assigned. It has to be made payable to the trustee of the trust. And then it works. Uh, the other question was, since a special needs trust and a trust cannot be established for anyone after 65, the question was raised, what happens if you establish this payment stream for a 63-year-old person, and two years later they're 65 and the structure payments are still coming in, is that okay? The answer is yes. It's the fact that the payment stream was established before 65 that makes it clear. The other nice thing about this letter is that It says this has always been Social Security policy for trusts established on or after January 1, 2000, which is when Social Security began to exercise oversight on this. Uh, Larry, would it be possible for you to post this letter on the Wrangler website?
1: Well, absolutely. And I think it would be a big help to not only the structure settlement uh, industry, but also uh, all the attorneys who are dealing with these issues uh, from time to time themselves. So I think that would be a big help, and uh, thank you for allowing us to do it. That's that's great. Now, does the government, and, and we call the government Social Security in this, in this instance, do they have to approve – That the way the settlement is actually structured or the the actual structure itself going in is simply uh, permissible at this point? They they don't get involved in the actual structuring of the case, do they? uh, They do not. The
3: the only thing we're told is that the assignments should be irrevocable to the special
1: needs trust. That's great. We want to keep the government out of our hair as much as we can, right? Well, that's good. Listen, this is a complicated issue. We know that there are an awful lot of things uh, that we need to talk about here. We are going to do that. Uh, We're going to take a short break and be back with our guests in just a minute. So stay tuned.
0: Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. Ringler Radio. Is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Did you know you can download Wrangler Radio and Legal Talk Network shows to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. This is Wrangler Radio, internet radio from Wrangler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the last 30 years, and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Ring the Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity.
1: Welcome back to Ring the Radio, and I'm glad you joined us again today. We're talking about Special Needs Trusts and Structured Settlements, and we're happy to have Attorney Roger Bernstein, an expert, an advocate for plaintiffs, and an expert on this topic for sure on the show, and uh, along with my colleague at Ringler, Jerry Greger. Uh, and Roger, w- what can we expect from uh, CMS uh, on this issue and real case applications in the future? I mean, are, are you expecting other questions to be directed to them? Are they going to be clarifying other issues around uh, the, the whole area of Special Needs Trusts?
3: That's a very good question, Larry. Um, the the answer is we're not going to get a lot of guidance from the uh, federal government on this. Special needs trusts were sanctioned by a law that came into place in 1993. There's one, been one basic release that took place the following year. And since then, there have been no regulations on this and very little in the way of instruction other than question and answer letters, which are not really published anywhere. On the Social Security side, their um, Bible, if you will, is something called the POMS, the Program Operating Manual System. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is about to be revised, I'm told, in the summer of 2006 to clarify a lot of the issues relating to trusts and special needs trusts. But as far as other questions, particularly those coming from CMS as opposed to Social Security, I expect that we're going to see increasing advocacy by the states as they administer their parts of the program, which means what happens in Arizona may be very different from what happens in Florida or Pennsylvania. And it's going to be very, very important for the attorneys and those people involved in the settlement process to have access to local experts who can advise them, not just on the national issues, but on what in fact is happening in the state where the settlement occurs.
1: Well, if somebody had a, a case in a jurisdiction they weren't familiar with, could they could they contact someone like yourself who could maybe put them in touch with people in those jurisdictions, Roger?
3: They could contact me or they could go to, uh, to uh, my colleagues at the Special Needs Alliance, which is uh, a national organization of experts in this field. And uh, the website there is specialneedsalliance.com.
1: Well, that sounds like a great resource. You know, Jerry... Uh, You and I both know how important this issue is for the success of structured settlements uh, in cases of disabled people and and people of limited means. And, you know, we all work hard to make sure that the long-term benefits of structures are available to all types of plaintiffs. And, you know... This is really an important issue, Jerry, and, and, and how do we make attorneys understand this? Uh, oftentimes, as, as you know, and we've talked about this in the past, we'll be dealing with a settlement and uh, the attorney hasn't even considered a, a, a special needs trust. They're not even aware of it. How do we make them more aware?
2: Well, I think through efforts uh, that we're using here today, and, and you know, it, it's it's really um, amazing. And in, in, in my walks uh, across the area in, in uh, seminars and uh, mediations, I still will find a practitioner that is uh, not fully aware of what is available to protect their client uh, for disqualification of. Uh, uh medicaid benefits uh, it it still
1: happens no question and you know sometimes i've even seen lawyers and, and you know this Roger put their clients at risk because they disqualified them from medicaid and they haven't considered the uh the, the special needs trust and 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 now they're caught in in in, in the uh, in the abyss as they say
3: the it's really important that the trial attorneys the structured settlement expert and the special needs trust expert put their heads together early on in the process uh, so that everything can be brought out and evaluated uh, so that you can get the best possible result for the client. And, of course, the other reason to do this is if a trust is going to be used, it it will put some limitations on the client's access to the money. Sure. And uh, they better be conditioned to understand that rather than having it occur at the settlement table.
1: That That is a big issue, as we spoke of a little earlier in the program. You know, I always like to get emails uh, on these kinds of uh, topics, and uh, lawyers have been sending in, and other people as well have been sending in uh, emails along the way. And, and here's one that's especially on point on this topic, uh, and I think you addressed it earlier, but let's, let's address it in the form of an answer to a specific question. Here's the question. He says, annuities that flow into a special needs trust— often have guarantee periods, and if the claimant were to die, who gets the guaranteed future stream of payments, the claimant's designated beneficiaries or Medicaid to repay a lien? Roger?
3: Uh, This is a a very good question and one that I feel strongly about. The payee or the alternate payee on the annuity after the death should continue to be the trustee of the special needs trust, not the claimant's beneficiaries not the estate of the claimant, Mm -hmm. but the trustee of the special needs trust. And in that way, the trustee can carry out their obligation, which is to pay back Medicaid and then Mm -hmm. to distribute anything left as it provides in the um, trust itself.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, We have a lot of these kinds of questions about the, you know who gets the guaranteed payments? Uh, I saw in one instance, uh, the this is kind of interesting. the The consideration for <clears throat> the parents uh, releasing the claim of consortium on a bad baby case that required a special needs trust. That consideration was the receipt of the guaranteed payments on the annuity by contract, and they were trying to somehow over overcome this uh, this uh, Medicaid, uh, you know insistence that they, they receive those uh, those guaranteed payments. And it was a very convoluted way to do it, but I, I see attorneys from time to time trying to do that. I think and, that's
3: a very dangerous way to yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, there was a case in New York State two years ago in which the appellate court overturned the ruling of the trial court where the trial court had made the estate of the beneficiary, the the estate of the claimant, the beneficiary of the annuity. Mm -hmm. And they said, nope, that doesn't comport with Medicaid. And what's wrong with something like that is once the state Medicaid agency gets wind of it, that person is off Medicaid now. It's not an issue that waits till they die.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: They haven't protected Medicaid's interest. They haven't held up their half of the bargain. There's another point, I think, that needs to be brought to the attention of the listeners here, and that is the importance of the commutation provision in dealing with special needs trusts, particularly, and particularly with sizable guarantees. Uh, Jerry, could you explain what your experience has been with that? Well,
2: that, that, that becomes a, a, a point of sale at the, at the, at the settlement conference. Um, you, know, you, you, you have to have a guarantee in there for the reasons we're talking about, and then, of course, the guarantee helps um, pacify the family members as well. So uh, it, it, it becomes a balancing act. Uh, usually you're dealing with a rated age, and the longer the guarantee you have on a, on a case, uh, you're taken away from the effect of the rated age. So you have to just deal with it on a case-by-case basis. What about, what about
1: but, a commutation well, rider, uh, Jerry, where, where the guarantee payments might be flowing out for years and, and there's a commutation rider that says we can actually get a lump sum in terms of this uh, guaranteed benefit stream and get it lump summed right away into one big piece. Is that helpful, uh, Roger?
3: It really is, because if you're dealing with a large uh, guarantee amount, then you probably have a taxable estate if that person dies earlier right. than later. So now you have uh, estate taxes, federal and state, to deal with, plus you have the payback to Medicaid, Plus, you have after that the family that might be getting some money out of this, and it would be a whole lot better to turn that into cash than it would be to wait, you know, ten, twenty years as the stream of payments come in.
2: Did you? Uh, well, we're on that point. Did you see that uh, ruling by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court on that case in Arkansas today? Yes, it was interesting, as they they ruled that there was a limitation on what the Medicaid. Uh, 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 recovery could be in the state of Arkansas?
3: Well, it's, it's now going to have national implications, and it's something that I think the trial bar needs to be aware of, not only as they settle their cases, but even as they frame their complaints and cases.
1: Well, Jerry, first, I'm, <clears throat> I'd like to tell you, I'm impressed that you're looking at the Supreme Court uh, decisions. That That's that's a good thing. But yeah, of exactly. And, uh, you know, we what we've broached just briefly in the, in the in the last part of this conversation really are subjects of other other shows you know the estate tax implications of uh, structured settlements and commutation riders and of course the whole issue of uh, what the courts are doing with some of these uh, bigger decisions so uh, you know i think in the future we'll have some shows on this and i think our audience would uh, would be uh, wise to listen in on some of those issues as well well, if someone wanted to contact you, Roger, to get some more information about special needs trusts and, and where to reach you, how would they do that?
3: Uh, telephone and email would be best. Your telephone is 305 445 8500. The email is Roger, R O G E R, at 2Bernsteins, the number 2, B E R N S T E I N S dot com.
1: Okay, great. Jimmy and Jerry, how about yourself?
2: But of course, uh, I have a toll-free number that people can call in from anywhere at uh, 1-800-227-8342. And the email is ggregor, that's G-R-E-G-E-R, at ringlerassociates.com, all spelled out.
1: Well, I'd like to tell our audience that uh, any of the Ringler Associates can be reached uh, by... uh, Clicking into ringlerassociates.com. Uh, I can be reached Larry Cohen at 978 uh, 974 or L Cohen at ringlerassociates.com. And, uh, you know, we've had a he- heck of a show here today, and uh, glad you were here listening to it. And I'd like you to all go out now and have a great day. Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Thanks,
1: Roger.
0: Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates' experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, Life, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuities.